Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Good crowd again today. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thanks for being here. So we are almost done with a series called The Fight of Your Life. I started the series back in August 23rd. Uh, I'll be done next week. I'm real grateful no one said amen. That's good. That's encouraging. So that's when you don't want to hear an amen, all right? So, uh, so it's been a good series. Had a lot of people comment about the series. It's hit people. I think the timing was really good on the series uh, in, in the midst of where we find ourselves. And uh, so I'm grateful for that. Just grateful for what God has been doing. I, I do, I don't want to move here without saying something to you. So in October, we had nine baptisms, and eight of those were adults. Last Sunday, you saw 14. Wednesday night, we baptized another dad. Friday night, we came up here and baptized another dad. And this morning, there were three baptisms. That's 28 baptisms in two months. And I want, you got to give the Lord a hand on that, man. That's, that's some pretty cool stuff. And for those, our, our, we have a beautiful church at home. We have a faithful crowd that listens online. That's you, church, online too. What you're seeing is your church. You're seeing your God do amazing things. And so in the midst of all that's going on, and it's like, can we just get a little good news? Well, 28 baptisms, let that just, let you just carry that for a little while. That'll give you some good news. God is doing a great work. Do not underestimate what God is doing right now. Don't, don't underestimate it. You don't get, it doesn't get a lot of attention. You don't see a bunch, but God is up to some great things, man, great things. And so I wanna encourage you with that if you need that today. Um, so I want you to grab your Bible. If you're listening online, grab your word. Um, Ephesians chapter six is where we find ourselves. Uh, that's the series. Um, today is verse 18, but before we jump into that, I wanna go back and kind of set up how we got here. I think that's important. We're kind of building this. And so um, I wanna kind of go back where we started. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 is where we started. He says in there, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, there's a big difference there, as I said earlier, about being in the Lord and being with the Lord. You can come to church and be with God. But just because you come to church and, be, and you're with God doesn't mean that when you come to church, you are in the Lord. The Lord has to be in you, and he's not in you because you come to a location. He's in you because a day in your life that you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you've been born again. When you're born again, baptized, born again, saved, you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You are now in the Lord. And there's a big 
difference between being in the Lord and being with the Lord, okay? That's very important. He has to lay that groundwork first because otherwise all this other stuff makes no sense whatsoever, okay? So he says you gotta be, so finally be strong in the Lord. Verse 11, he says, in the devil's schemes, you gotta be able to recognize the devil's schemes. Hopefully by now, you'll be able to, or you've grown in the area of recognizing the devil's schemes. The devil is out of, he's about scheming you. He's about laying traps for you. His whole job is to get you, to kill you, destroy you, to take you out. Jesus said, I do the opposite. I've came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. The way he does that is he gives you, by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you when you're born again, eyesight to see and smell out a scheme so you can avoid it and not get caught. But the devil lays schemes. Yes, he does. Verse 12, we learned that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're in a battle, all right? But our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's deeper than that. It is against spiritual forces in the dark world and all this other junk. That is our battle. That's what we battle. And when we battle that, you got to battle that the way God said battle that. Because when you come up against a struggle and a battle and you battle that struggle like the world fights, you're not going to make any penetration. You have to fight it as a spiritual battle and you got to fight it the way the Spirit says fight it. If you do that, you'll win. If you don't do that, you're, getting, you're going nowhere, nowhere. Then we started putting on some, uh, no, then we want to stand your ground. He says, when you've done everything, just stand your ground. And then everything, man, stand. We live in a day and time where you have got to stand your ground. You've got to stand your ground. You cannot be easily moved anymore. You've got to be strong and solid and confident. You've got to know who you are in Christ, and you've got to stand on that. And when you've done everything, you've got to stand. We, we live in a day and time where we say with our mouths, we walk, we, we live by faith. But, but what I'm finding, what I'm seeing more, the tragedy of what I'm seeing is as this drags on, more and more churches, more and more believers that say they live by faith, but they actually live by sight. And every time they see something that, 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 that stops them or they see something in the flesh or they see something in the world, they don't walk through it by faith. They stop and they fall paralyzed, crippled to it. God says, listen, you're going to be people of the book or you're not going to be people of the book? Are you just going to use a little scripture to impress people or is that really who you are? Because if you are a person of the book and the power of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if that's the power that lives inside of you, you can't walk by what you see, you've got to walk by faith. And sometimes what God calls us to see, you can't see with your eyes. You got to see it through faith eyes. You got to stand your ground. Don't be moved. Don't, don't cater. Don't cave. Don't give up. Don't quit. You say, well, everything around me says quit. Well, you're looking with the wrong eyes. You need to wash your eyes. We walk by faith, not by what we see. No way. And then we started putting on armor. Verse 14, we put on the belt of truth. If you're a parent or a grandparent in the house today, the most important thing you can do for your child is to teach them who they are in Christ. 
son or daughter, this is who you are in Christ. This is a truth about who you are. This is your belt of truth according to God's word. Not a popularity thing, not social media, not votes, not who's who. This is who you are. So when someone says something about your son or daughter or granddaughter or grandson, you say, sweetheart, that's not who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And you constantly, over and over and over and over and over again, you teach them who they are in Christ. You say, this is who you are. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. You buckle it up. You buckle it up. You buckle it up. Do not let them get off on this little pansy, pansy things about what people say about them. No, you bring them back to the truth. You bring them back to the truth and you tell them to buckle up. Then you have the breastplate of righteousness. We have no righteousness that's ourselves. Our righteousness comes from Christ. Nothing we did. Listen, I, I, I have no righteousness of my own, but I am righteous because of what he did for me on the cross. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that faith comes by what? I mean, that I'm saved by what? Not by works so that I can boast. No, it's a free gift from God. It's a free gift. So I have no righteousness on my own. It's all filthy rags according to Scripture, but I am right with God. I have righteousness. I can achieve righteousness because of what? Because of Christ. You got to put that on you. You got to put that, that breastplate of righteousness. You got to have feet fitted. Fitted. We talked about the feet. They got spikes on them. Why? Because of traction. Because sometimes when you walk in a territory, man, it's going to be tough. When you walk in a way, it's going to be tough. God calls you to go where you don't want think you should go. God calls you to a place you're not sure of. Sometimes a storm in life comes and your mountain that you've been asked to climb by God might be wet, might be muddy. You don't need spikes on your shoes to get up that mountain. He didn't tell you it's gonna be sunshine all the time. He said, sometimes I'm gonna take you where all you got's me. Sometimes I'm gonna take you where you don't have nobody but me. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you keep on walking? And see, we have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Why? Because no matter where we tread, baby, no matter where we tread, the peace of God goes with us. No matter the battle, no matter how hard it is, the peace of God that passes all understanding is the peace that's tied to our feet. Man, we walk in peace. Why? Because this is peaceful? Oh, no, because he is peace, and we know him. We have inner peace. And then we went to the helmet of salvation. I'm sorry, got ahead of myself. We didn't go from that. We have feet fitted. Then we went to the shield of faith. Listen to me. This is not cartoon shield, little bitty shield. This is big old shield, door-shaped, oblong, bigger than you. Why? Because Jesus said, I give you the measure of faith that you need. That's what it says in Scripture. That means I have all the faith I need for whatever comes my way in life. People all the time, they want to say, Pastor, man, if I just had their faith, if I just had their faith, I said, you have more faith. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. If I just had their faith, you have more faith than that. No, I don't. Yes, you do. See, you don't have, people say, well, I need more faith. You don't need more faith. You have all the faith you need. What you're saying is, I need more word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you don't have any faith because you don't have any word. What you need is not more faith. You got all you need. What you need is more word. You're not weak of faith. You're weak of word. You think your shield's a baby shield, a cartoon shield, but your shield's bigger than that because God said, I give you a measure, the measure that you need. You have all the faith you need for everything that come your way because why all my steps have been ordained by God. So nothing happens in my life, whether it's five or 55, that God didn't know was gonna happen. 
So because of that, he said, Jeff Ponder, here's all the faith you're going to need the rest of your life, buddy. Now it's your job to grow that faith because you're going to have all the faith you need. Don't ask me more faith. You get in the Word, you grow your faith because you got all the faith you need. My job to grow my faith. I, I, I don't listen to me. <laughs> I know that's hard sometimes for people, but I'm, I'm telling you, we, we are biblical, biblically illiterate. We don't know the Word. We don't. If you want your faith to grow, your word's got to grow. If your word, if your faith is weak, it's because your word's weak. This is your diet to grow your faith. Shield the faith. You'll need more faith. You got faith. You need more word to grow your faith. Helmet of salvation. Why? Because the enemy attacks you mentally. If he can convince you that you're lost, that you can flop like a, a, a fish on the beach, guess what? You'll never swim to his glory. Because you don't know if you're saved. I'm about to say, I don't know if I'm saved. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I should witness. I should witness. But what if I tell somebody about how to get saved and I'm not saved? What if they don't believe me? I don't know. You don't even know. No one's going to go and do what God called them to do until they know they're born again. Because out of that comes confidence. And when you're confident, you'll go where he puts you. He'll go where he sends you. The enemy knows that he can play mind games with you. He'll play mind games with you. He'll absolutely cause you to be paralyzed and can't move. Verse 17, last week we talked about the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is what? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. We learned about the sword. The Word of God penetrates the darkness. The Word of God is the light. The Word of God is Jesus. It penetrates and we looked at that last week. So go to Ephesians 8, I mean 18. Ephesians 6, 18, it's the first part of it. There's, it's two part, I'll do the second part next week. But listen to this. Ephesians 6, 18a. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers. It does not say and pray on all occasions. It doesn't say that. It says pray where? In the Spirit. There's a big difference, church. There's a big difference between saying pray on all occasions than pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Listen to me. Jesus is the Word, and he dwells among us. Jesus is also the Spirit. So when you have the word that is the spirit, the sword of the spirit, and you pray in the spirit, that's an unbeatable team. When you combine the Holy Spirit in, your, in the word, in prayer, that's unbeatable. There is power when you do that. Listen, I grew up a Baptist boy. That's, that's a good thing. But the problem is when I grew up a Baptist boy, I learned how to pray by listening to other people pray. That's how all of us learn to pray. If you're in a Baptist church at any time of your life, you hear deacons pray. They don't pray much different every Sunday. I just started echoing what I heard. But when the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I started praying in the Spirit and it rocked my world. See, there's a big difference between praying and praying in the Spirit. You tap a source you don't know anything about. How many of you still pray the same way you've prayed all your life? 
If that's the truth, that's sad. If I'm born again at 10 and the spirit comes inside of me and, and rocks my world and I get spirit filled, the spirit ought to take me in a way praying that it's never taken me before. My prayer life ought to grow. See, when someone says, is your prayer life growing, it's not how long you pray, it's how you pray. You say, well, your prayer life growing? Oh, man, I was praying like one minute, now I pray like four. That's not what I mean. <laughs> and especially if that's your meal prayer, everybody's mad because it's cold, all right? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> when I say your prayer life has to grow, I don't need you praying bedtime prayers when you're 44. I need you praying power, spirit-filled prayers that changes things. Listen to me. Now I lay me down to sleep is not going to help your marriage. I'm sorry. The enemy's like, that's all you got? I'm about to take, ooh, I'm kicking your house down. I'm knocking it down. You're going to have to go where you haven't gone before, and that's called the Holy Spirit of God. And you're going to have to tap a source and a well that you've never tapped before. Your prayer life must grow, and I'm not talking about the length of your prayer. I'm talking about the depth of your prayer. You're going to have to go where you haven't been before to learn to pray like you've never prayed before. Because if the things you've been praying for for 27 years are still the things you're praying for, you haven't tapped that source. Because the last time I checked Scripture, God changes things. And when you tap the Spirit of God and that of power, it changes things. It changes things. So the disciples, they ran into the same issue. So they asked Jesus a question one time in Luke 11, 1. It said, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I wonder, have you ever asked that? I had a college professor when I was at East Texas Baptist University. He started his class that way. He read that scripture. He said, let me ask you young, young men and women something. You ever said the last part of that? I was like, no. I was answering it to myself. I wasn't about to answer out loud. He said, if you have not asked that question, then I know how you pray. You pray like a child. That's good from a pure heart, but it's bad from a depth. Lord, teach me to pray. For some of you in this room, that's all you need to hear this morning. You've never asked that. Lord, I just started praying like I always prayed and what I heard people pray. Can you teach me how to pray? I don't know how to pray. Can you teach me how to pray? When you go to your Bible in Matthew's gospel real quick, this is a prayer that a lot of people pray. If you spend any time in a locker room playing any type of sports, you probably said this a bunch. This is the Lord's Prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. Jesus said, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those, we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
our Father who art in heaven. That is a relational prayer. See, you can't call him our Father if he's not your Father. If you're not born again, you can't do that. Prayer is communion. It's communing with Jesus. It's me talking to him and him talking to me. That's prayer. It's a communication between me and Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter John 4, I mean in John 10, that he that that you are my sheep, I am your shepherd. I know my sheep and my shepherd know me. It's a relationship. When I'm praying, when I'm learning to pray, and when I'm doing prayer, I am talking to God, and God's talking to me. Mark 1.35, some of, there's going to be some in the house that don't like this scripture. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it, okay? There's some of my staff that don't like this scripture, okay? Mark 1.35, Mark 1.35, very early, <laughs> All the morning people are like, yeah. All the night hours are like, seriously, where's that? That's not in there, is it? It is, all right? Very early in the morning. How early? <laughs> Good question. When it was still dark. Some of you are like, seriously? All right. Jesus got up. All right. Again, that's not for those who are already up. See, so you're like, well, if you don't go to bed, it's still dark, it's still early. No, he got up, all right, because he already went to bed, all right? And he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he what? Prayed. Where he prayed. Prayer needs to become a lifestyle we cultivate. Why? Because Jesus did. Can I just say something real simple? If Jesus needed to go off and pray, don't you think we do? <laughs> I mean, let, it could, this sermon could be three seconds, all right? We're going to talk about prayer. Let's do what Jesus did. He got up early, went off to a solitary place, prayed. All right, dismiss. We go to lunch. Let me tell you when I get in trouble as a pastor, when I study more than I pray. I'm telling you, I get in trouble. I know it now. I'm old enough. When I put more time in studying and I do in praying, I'm in trouble. I don't even know it yet, but I do. See, when I do that, when I spend more time studying than I do praying, mm, I get tired easier. I get weaker. I don't hear God. A couple weeks ago, it's hard for me to study at home because I have this beautiful golden doodle, chocolate brown, 55 pounds of love, who's 10 months old and thinks he's five pounds. And I got up real early and I went to a different bedroom, out of our bedroom into another bedroom and I was on the floor, my knees on the floor and I was laying over, we have a gray couch and I was leaning over this gray couch and I thought I'd been really quiet and, and Hershey didn't hear me. And I'm in there praying and I'm just praying and praying and all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, mm. but he's so precious. I just hugged him, and I just felt the Father saying, that's me loving on you. You're doing good. Just keep praying. And then he just laid down. I, I didn't stop. I just kept praying, and he got whatever that was out of his system, and he just laid down by me. And I'm like, 
I'm going to keep praying. And it's like, like a kid that takes a nap. You go take a nap as a mom, all right? I just kept praying. Listen to me. We're weak when we don't pray. We're weak. Autopilot doesn't work in prayer. Every day, meet with the Father. Every day, meet with the Father. Every day, meet with the Father. So three things real quick, and we're out of here. Number one, you got to have a certain time. Jesus said he got up early. I'm not saying it has to be early. I'm just saying Jesus did it. Sorry, sorry. If you're a night owl, do it at night. If you're a lunch person, do it at lunch. I'm a morning person, I do it in the morning. Find the best time for you to give God your best. And say that again. The best time for you to give God the best. Don't give God leftovers. He didn't give them to you. He didn't give them to you. Find, make a daily appointment with God, even if you have to use your phone. It's the best appointment you'll ever make. Now, my staff kind of, they love me deeply. I know that, but they love to give me a hard time. I guess I take it well. So, in Staff Monday, I said to Mark, hey, Mark, I couldn't find any more uh, legal pads. And they all started laughing. They said, Pastor needs G Big Chief writing pad. Go get the pastor the Big Chief. Now, some of you are too young to understand what the Big Chief is. It used to be how you wrote in school, all right? Listen to me. I have a cell phone. I have a laptop, all right? I don't, for me to spend time with God, I've got to have old-fashioned Bible and a notepad. That's how I meet with God because I got to write it down. I got to write it down. I got to write it down. And now, I've got the Bible app on my phone. My wife put it there. I use it in emergencies and emergencies only. <laughs> All right? I can't do it with my phone. I can't. I get a text. Somebody will send me something, and I want to go look at it, and I'm, I can't do it. I, so I put my phone away, and I go and be still, and I hear God. I learned when I was very young, right out of college, God taught me how to hear God. I just walked with God. I met with God. I sat with God. I got in God's word, and I journaled, and I journaled, and I journaled, and I journaled, and I journaled. Everything God gave me, I wrote. Everything. See, let me tell you what it is. It's you meeting with God so your heart can become his heart. So that when God's heart does something that impacts your heart, you're okay with it, even though it hurts your heart because you know his heart. See, my job is my heart to look like God's heart so that when God does something in my life other than what I'm praying for and other than what I want to happen, I'm okay with that because I can still say, God, you're good and mean it. Many people don't know God that way. And so when God gets off script, they get mad and they hold out from God. And we're the loser on that. You got to have a certain time. If you have a certain time, make a certain time. Number two, you got to have a certain place. You got to find the place. Make it yours. Pray over it. Anoint it. Cover it. 
may it be a sanctuary, it's gotta be your place. For some of you, you need places because your kids will find you, okay? Just saying, find places, all right? Number three, you gotta have a certain plan. It says in there, all types of prayers, all kinds of prayers. Do not pray the same prayer every day. That's boring. You may call it consistency. It's really boring. God says, I, 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 I do new things. I do fresh things. I do exciting things. If you will stretch yourself in prayer, you will stretch yourself in what God is doing in your life. You will stretch your faith of God. God will move in different ways if you'll stretch your prayers in different ways. Some of y'all praying the same prayers for 27 years. I'd stop praying that prayer in year 28 and do something different. My God changes things. You're praying wrong. It would move. Have a certain plan. There's a protection plan. I listed a whole bunch of them. Prayer protection. There's a confession prayer. Sometimes you don't get past that prayer. Forgiveness prayer. If your prayer life is stuck, that might be why it's stuck. Nothing kinks a prayer hose or God's, God's blessing, his, his, his shower of blessing like unforgiveness. It'll kink a hose, my friend. You may just need to pray a forgiveness prayer. Pride prayer. You may need a pride prayer. If you already think you're God, you don't need a God. If you're so hard and so calloused, so prideful, Listen to me, you can pray, but it's not getting past the ceiling, friends. You need to break that old heart. You need to break that spirit. Generational bondage. If you have a generational bondage prayer that you need broken, a spirit in your family, you need broken, pray that prayer. God will break it. You need a healing prayer. You say, Pastor, I, I didn't grow up in this healing. I don't know how to pray for healing. Well, I gave you a scripture. Praise the scripture. There's no better thing to pray than, than the spirit of the word. Listen to me. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Pray the Spirit. Give you the Word. Pray the Word, man. Powerful. Powerful. Marriage prayer. Having trouble in your marriage, kind of stuck? Don't just keep doing it. Pray the marriage prayer. Pray the Word. Take communion together. Come together. Join together. Read Scripture. Pray that Scripture prayer. Pray Scripture over your marriage. God will break the chains, man. He'll set you free. You'll be honeymooning again, all right? Break it, man. You got to battle the right way. You got to worship prayer. Listen to me. Prayer is taught by the acts of prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Listen to me. The first one's adoration. Sometimes we go in with a lot of things to pray for, and all you got to do in worship prayer is, adoration part, is to go in and start praising for who he is. And sometimes I never get past that. Because listen to me, when you start worshiping, all that stuff that you thought needed fixed, you don't even know it needs fixed. But what you don't know is why you were worshiping him, he was fixing it. Why do we think God needs us? <laughs> we need him. How about turn your prayer time into a worship time, just worship prayer. I gave you a couple of Psalms, man, those are rich. Listen to this statement. Prayer is not so much a weapon or even part of the armor as it is the means by which we engage in battle. See, it's not so much this or this. It's not the armor. It's not the blood. It is the battle, man. When we go to pray, we are stepping into the battle. That's how you battle. We don't battle like the world. 
We battle according to what God says. That's not the armor. The battle is prayer. We, when, we, when we are praying, we are battling. You see, here's what you got to do as a, as a, as a born-again believer. You have authority as a born-again believer. You have authority. You're, 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 you have the authority under the blood of Christ. You have been born again. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You're a spirit-filled believer. You got to step into that authority and pray out of it. Too many believers don't ever step into the authority. They do not. That's why their power, that prayer does not have power. Romans 8, 26, I want to read that to you real fast. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. Many people have a prayer language. That's what they're talking about. With groanings that come from the Spirit. Listen to me. You've got to understand that when you pray in the Spirit, there is power when you pray in the Spirit. You've got to step into that authority, and you've got to pray from that. Many believers do not understand the authority they have in Christ, so they never step into that authority and pray from it. Dads, husbands, granddads, that's power. Mom, wife, grandmother, pray in that power. If you're a born-again child of the king, whether you're six years old or 66, you got to step into that authority and pray from the Spirit. You say, well, I don't even know what I'm going to pray. You don't have to know what to pray. You just have to step in the, the authority that you have and pray. You say, God, I don't know what to pray, but I know I'm supposed to pray. And you open your mouth and the Holy Spirit of God start praying through you. I have prayed before with no intent what to pray. And I'm going to tell you right now, you got to trust the Holy Spirit. When you step into your authority, you can pray. I'm going to ask the church to do something a little different today. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is going to lead us into our ministry time. So if you're on the ministry team, I'm going to invite you to come up. Worship team will come as well. I don't have to be the first to tell you here that we are in a battle as a country. There's a virus out there that I'm absolutely done with. I'm so tired of it, and I know you're tired of it. It makes everything hard, everything hard. But we as a church are going to step into our authority as the little church. And we are going to intercede for healthcare workers everywhere. We have doctors and nurses. We have people that work in our hospitals that clean rooms and clean hallways. We, we, those, those folks, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And I love them deeply. We have many of them in our church. We have many doctors in our church, many, many nurses in our church, all right? And they're absolutely gorgeous. And I'm going to tell you something about these people. They're not doing a job. They're doing their calling. They know they're called by God to do what they do. And right now, it's hard. It's hard. Their days don't change. They've been grinding for eight months, and there's no change. Same thing every day. Hard, 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 hard. More confused, more frustrated, more tired. And I pray 
We're going we're gonna to battle for them. We're going to intercede for them. And I, I pray that at BSA and the VA and Northwest and everywhere, even at homes where people are quarantined and, and, and they're at home stuck trying to get better, I pray that they become absolute choirs of praise all down those halls. Those rooms are filled with the presence of God. I pray there's dancing in hospitals. I pray people dance in the halls. I pray people start dancing in their houses. I pray that becomes the narrative. That becomes a song. That we see the greatness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God. We're going to step as believers into our authority, and we're going to intercede on their behalf. We're going to go to battle. You can't just talk about prayer if you're not going to battle with prayer. And listen to me. We got people that are tired, man. So you can't even get families. Many families that are going through this can't even go see their family members. Pastors can't get in. These nurses don't only have to do their job, but they have to console family people. They have to hug people, hold them up, be their strength. They're not even strong on their own. They're tired and they're weary and they're beat down. And we want to say as a church to all those that, that are listening or watching, we love you. Many of them are at home. Hear this from your church. We love you. Tell them we love them. Listen to me. We love you. And I'm so sorry. I wish I could take it away. But what I can do is step into my authority and pray for you. And we as a church are going to do that. So I want you to partner with me. If you have to, I used to, here's how I learned to step in my authority. And when I was in my prayer room, I had a little, I used to put duct tape on a square. And every time I was ready to battle in prayer, I used to step into it. That was visually for me. I don't have to do that anymore. Y'all don't go look in my office. I don't have a square on my thing. This helped me understand something. I got to get out of Jeff and step into the spirit in my authority, in my place and pray. So maybe you need to step this morning to pray where you've never prayed before. But I want you to tap a well of authority that called the spirit. And I want you to pray the spirit of God. We're going to pray over BSA. We're going to pray over Northwest. We're going to pray over the VA. We're going to pray over every home where someone's quarantined and sick. We're going to pray over families that we know. We're going to speak names of nurses. We're going to speak names of doctors. We're going to speak names of people who work in the custodial room or the cafeteria or park cars or whatever they do. This is hard for them. And we're going to be their arms and feet. We're going to be their hands and feet. We're going to lift them up, man. All right? So let's step and pray together. And this altar is open. If you need to come, you want to pray down here, you pray down here. If you want to partner with these people and agree with them, let that happen as well. And here's what I want to do. As I'm praying, I want you to pray, not silently, out loud. I want this place to become a choir of prayer. I want them to hear your voice in, the, in those cameras and on that audio. And if you know them by name, speak their name. Speak their name. Let's pray, church. Step into your authority. Let's pray in the spirit. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We adore you. We exalt you. We magnify you. God, we have doctors and nurses and people that are in, the, in healthcare. God, they're professional healthcare workers. God, they are so tired. And God, we pray in the name of Jesus that they have supernatural strength. God, that right now in their body, they begin to feel through the veins of their body, through their blood cells, God, the Holy Spirit power start bulbing up in them. And God, that you will supercharge them. God, that you will supernaturally give them strength for the battle. You've called them, God, and they're beautiful, and they're doing this for your glory. 
God, I pray you will bless them. I pray that BSA and Northwest and VA and all the homes, God, where people are sick with, with, with this virus, God, that it becomes a place of praise. It becomes dancing. It becomes dancing in the halls. I pray it's dancing with mops. I pray, God, that people are running down the hall praising. God, I pray that our hospitals become a choir. God, we pray your blessings over those hospitals. God, I pray that supernaturally by the blood of Jesus and the power of Jesus, you squash this virus. God, be done with this virus in the name of Jesus, that this virus goes away in Jesus' name, God. We're done. We're tired as a nation. God, the enemy has used it to divide us. That's wrong. May the church rise up and pray against it in the name of Jesus. God, we pray over those places. We pray over those people, God, that today they feel your love, God. They hear you say, well done, well done, well done, well done. God, may you hug them today. Many of them need a hug. I pray you hug them today, God. I pray you hug them today. Hug them. God, we love them. We love them. I love them. And I'm thankful for them. God, bless them today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we worship, continue to pray for them. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.